Welcome to the REMS on the Air podcast, hosted by your partners at the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Safe and Supportive Schools and its Readiness and Emergency Management for Schools Technical Assistance Center. If you're an old friend, you know us as the REMS TA Center, your national school safety center. Join us as we chat about key topics in school and campus safety, security, and emergency management with experts and partners from the field. Hello and welcome back. We are excited to host another REMS on the Air podcast. My name is Janelle Hughes, Project Director for the REMS TA Center. Today, I will be having a conversation with Derek Casper and Janelle Osman from the Ohio School Safety Center within the state's Department of Public Safety about the creation and management of their state-based tip line, which is called the Safer Ohio School Tip Line. The U.S. Department of Justice produced a publication called Tip Lines for School Safety, a National Portrait of Tip Line Use. And it really defines school tip lines as structured systems that allow students, parents, school staff, or community members to report information about potential threats. And it also describes tip lines as a promising approach to school safety. In the context of types of hazards and threats, including biological, technological, natural, as well as adversarial and human cause, U.S. Department of Justice research shows that most school tip lines have historically focused on collecting information on adversarial and human caused threats. Research has shown that in the case of many of those adversarial and human caused threats, such as active shooter situations, warning signs existed or threats were made before violent acts were carried out. And today, during our conversation with Janelle and Derek will speak a little bit more about how tip lines can support education agencies with the prevention, protection, and mitigation efforts around other types of hazards and threats as well, beyond just adversarial and human cause. Education agencies can leverage insight gained via tip lines to support information sharing across community partners including school officials, law enforcement officers, and mental and behavioral health professionals to help prevent, protect, and mitigate the impacts of potential threats and incidents. We are so excited to have two of our partners here today from the Ohio School Safety Center, Derek Casper and Janelle Osman. Derek, would you mind just sharing a little bit about what you do to support the Ohio School Safety Center? Hello, yes. Uh, my name is Derek Casper. I am the Safer Ohio School Tip Line Coordinator within the Ohio School Safety Center. Uh, I work with all of the entities involved, which includes the analyst who answers the call, the Ohio Department of Education, and everyone within the Ohio School Safety Center. Uh, to coordinate the outreach and response uh, to tips that are received with local schools uh, to make sure that all the students and staff um, are supported as they need to be. Thanks, Derek. We are so excited to have you here for this really important discussion about managing tip lines. Janelle, lovely to have you here as well. 
Well, thank you. Um, Pleasure to be here. My name is Janelle Osman, and I am the Outreach and Information Sharing Manager at the Ohio School Safety Center. And one of the main programs under me is the tip line, the Safer Ohio School tip line. And this is one of the main focuses of uh, my position, as well as the entire Ohio School Safety Center. Thank you both for joining us today. Let's get into the conversation. Can you talk a little bit about what prompted the creation of your state-based tip line? Yes, in 2012, uh, six students were shot at Chardon High School. Uh, While this was not the first incident uh, involving schools in Ohio or across the nation, uh, this incident, along with many other incidents across the nation, uh, did continue to spur the conversation about school safety and the resources that are dedicated to it. Uh, In December 2014, over 200 buildings across the state registered with the uh, Safer Ohio School tip line. The Safer Ohio School tip line um, began as a way for law enforcement officials to be notified of school safety issues. uh, And that now over the years, in the past eight years, has evolved into a much more collaborative effort uh, between the analysts who answer the calls, the Ohio School Safety Center, Uh, the Ohio Department of Education, and the local schools that are involved in the response to the tips received. Thank you so much for sharing those details. And I know we've had some previous conversations about House Bill 123. Can you talk a little bit about the requirements specific to tip lines that are outlined within that bill? Uh, Yes, I can. Uh, House Bill 123, Uh, has requirements that every public school in Ohio registers with the Save for Ohio School tip line or any anonymous reporting system that meets a specific set of requirements. Uh, Those requirements include that there must be a 24-7 operation for the system. The system must also forward the information to law enforcement, public safety agencies, uh, and appropriate school threat assessment teams. Uh, The uh, reporting system must also be promoted by the district, uh, whether it's on their webpage, on social media, within the schools. Uh, they must follow the guidelines of FERPA, and they must be compliant with any of the uh, information confidentiality requirements uh, that are contained in the Ohio Revised Code. Uh, there's also a requirement that at the end of the school year, which the date that's there is July 1st, Uh, there must be a specific uh, set of data that's reported about the tips that are received. Uh, This includes any type of tips that are made and the type of tip that was made, if there was disciplinary action involved in relation to the tip, uh, if there was a mental wellness referral involved uh, with the tip that was made, uh, any any other comments or requirements that are required by uh, the Ohio Department of Public Safety uh, and the race and gender of the student or students involved uh, in the disciplinary action or the mental wellness referral. One thing I would like to point out also is while Ohio has a requirement that all public schools have to have a tip line. They do not have to use our tip line. Um, Our tip line for the the Safer Ohio School tip line, it is a free resource to every school in Ohio, but some schools 
um, prefer not to use it. They have third-party vendors or they've developed their own tip line. And that's perfectly acceptable long as they follow the guidelines that Derek has just outlined. Um, also, while it's a requirement that public schools use a tip line, we also welcome any private schools to use the tip line as well. It is not limited to strictly public use. Thank you so much for sharing those details. And in thinking about the requirements that you shared, Derek, you know, looking at disciplinary actions, mental health, race and gender, Department of Public Safety compliance, I can only imagine the number of partners that you all collaborate with at the state and local level to ensure that compliance. Can you speak a little bit to how you manage local education agency reporting and compliance back to the school safety center? Yeah, while the, you know, there are many schools in Ohio that fall under the reporting requirements, you know, by that July 1st deadline, uh, one way that we encourage schools to make sure that they're able to remain in compliance with the reporting requirement uh, is to use a worksheet in uh, an Excel worksheet. Some schools use it on Google Drive, some use it just directly through Excel um, that we have shared throughout the state to make sure that the same information is being shared and the information is maintained and recorded as accurately as possible. Um, you know, if there is an issue with compliance to that requirement, uh, we do, you know, reach out to the school directly to speak with whether it's the safety director, the superintendent, the principal uh, to report that data. Now their requirement, uh, one thing I did not mention is that it's required to be reported by the district and not the individual buildings uh, necessarily. The buildings report it through the district, it just must be disaggregated by the school. So most oftentimes we will reach out to the administrative staff at the district level uh, to make sure that that information is reported uh, timely and accurately. But the biggest hurdle is making sure that the schools are aware that they uh, should more often than not be tracking that information through the year to make sure that they aren't trying to come up with that information, you know, during the month of June once school is out and they can just easily report it at the end of the school year. Thanks for sharing those additional details specific to the role of the district versus the role of the individual school. And Janelle, you also mentioned something about, you know, private school use of the tip line. I'm just curious how you've managed training and promotion of the tool um, to, you know, local education agencies across the state. So thinking about both public and private schools. It, our uh, promotion, we have promotion materials and they are available to any school that requests, totally free of charge, including the shipping is totally free. Um, we also have an animated video, a uh, tip line video that we can send to the schools and they it, it's for the kids, for the students. So, um, and we will help them in any way that they request. Um, whether that be like train a, a virtual training. We also have regional liaisons that work in the specific areas throughout Ohio and they can, they're kind of our boots on the ground. And so they are able to go into the schools, take them the promotional materials, answer their questions. They will get them um, the administrators or educators hooked up with Derek so that 
there can be, you know, specific questions answered. Um, so we do a lot to continually promote and train. We realize that there's a natural um, turnover with students, you know, as they graduate or as they move to a new school, there's students that have not heard of the tip line. So we're continually having to do that. And of course, the same is true with teachers and administrators. So our, our job of promoting and training is never done. Um, and actually, I'll let Derek tell you about a, a new promotional activity that we're we are doing and um, actually was Derek's idea. Yeah, we will be looking at uh, creating what we are calling the tip line talk. So what we're looking at doing with the tip line talk is a quarterly conversation with schools, students, administrative staff, uh, any other uh, entities that would like to join. Uh, and it will be an open conversation about the tip line, about any other tip lines that schools may be using across the state, because we do realize, as Janelle has mentioned before, that not everyone uses the Safer Ohio School tip line. So anything we can do to ensure the success, use, promotion of the tip lines to make sure that that conversation is continually happening, we would like to do. So this tip line talk will be marketed and it'll be a virtual meeting that can be shared across the state for anyone to use and participate in. So we encourage the uh, open conversation piece of it, as well as a, a slight guided conversation about any resources that we have available. And so I do have a quick follow-up question in thinking about the fact that education agencies do not have to use the state-based tip line and create their own. And thinking about those tip line talks that you will be hosting, are there any kind of uh, compliance requirements that you share with those education agencies that opt to not use the Ohio tip line just to ensure that you're again, capturing that data that's required, the discipline, the mental health, the you know race and gender, et cetera? Uh, so we give the same worksheet that all the public schools use uh, with that and schools that are registered with the Safer Ohio School tip line. Uh, we use the same worksheet for the schools that do not use the Safer Ohio School tip line to make sure that the same uh, data is being recorded uh, and the same data is being uh, given to the Ohio School Safety Center at the end of the school year. Uh, we do also have a requirement that the vendors report the data uh, to us as well as the schools that are registered with those third party. So we can also compare the data against what those vendors have to what the school reports. And now the vendors are only required to report numbers as opposed to the school who's required to report the specific set of data that's mentioned in House Bill 123. Um, but we do encourage the use of that worksheet to continually track that information through the year, whether they're using the Safer Ohio School tip line or whether they're using a third-party vendor for their tip line. Wow, sounds like you have some really awesome strategies in place and some success stories I'm sure that you'd like to share as well, thinking about how the tip line has perhaps supported prevention, mitigation, protection, or any other emergency management functions. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was one instance specifically uh, where there were multiple tips we received expressing concerns about a student uh, in the social media posts that were made. Now, this was a previous student from the school. Um, they were expressing the desire to possibly commit 
a violent act against uh, students that attend the school. This student was previously expelled from the school as well due to previous threats of violence that they made. Um, we received multiple tips on our tip line about uh, the posts that were made, and we were able to work with local law enforcement who also were made aware of the social media posts, and they were able to apprehend the individual. Now, I'd like to point out that this is one of many instances we see where peers are reporting information about their peers, uh, which is one major component that we see to the success of a of a school safety tip line uh, is that peer-to-peer -peer reporting and not just adults and other parents uh, that are reporting that information. Um, another incident that I would like to discuss as a success story is a student was upstairs in her bedroom at her house and the uh, a tip came in from one of their friends stating that uh, their friend was expressing suicidal ideation uh, and they were upstairs in their room and they weren't sure how to help their friend to make sure that you know the worst thing that can happen did not happen and they were able to work with our tip line and we involved local law enforcement to perform a wellness check um, at the individual's house now this student's parents were downstairs and they were not aware uh, that you know their child was upstairs expressing these thoughts to their friends and they were able to get their child the help that they needed and were able to provide them with continuous counseling and work with the school to provide any other mental wellness resources uh, that were out there and available to them. Wow, thank you. I think that's such a powerful story, and I'm sure that many of our listeners, particularly those who work at the school district and school level, really appreciated you sharing that as they think about strategies that they can use and how they can potentially use their tip line to help manage some of those threats. Janelle, would you like to share any success stories as well? Well, I would just like to point out that you know, a lot of times people think of a tip line as a way to stop, you know, school shootings. And yes, it can absolutely do that. It, it, but it's so much more than that. Um, it, we get so many tips in regards to, to self-harm. Um, and just like Derek was sharing the story about the, the student with the suicidal ideations, it to me, this is one of those things that people may not immediately think about when you think about a tip line, but this is where we have seen a, a really a lot of our success stories come from. Uh, this is, while Derek gave the story of one specific case, we've had several cases like this. And to me, this is one of the most valuable things about a tip line because the peers will know the students know what's going on and while they not are not sure how to deal with it if we give them an avenue especially where they it's 24 7 they can text it they can remain anonymous they will reach out for their friends and you know to me that is a huge component of this and why we do this you know if we save one child through this um then it's well worth it. And I just think that that is certainly a something that we have to think about with a tip line is the fact that while, it, yes, you can certainly stop, and that is our goal to always stop a school shooting, but it's so much more than that. 
Thank you for mentioning that, Janelle. Here at the RMCA Center, we always like to focus on all hazards and all threats. And I think during a lot of our conversations with you all about your tip line, you know, it was very refreshing to hear how, you know, not only looking at active shooter incidents, but other threat and hazard types um, that schools need to be aware of and to assess their risk and vulnerability for, you know, it's, it's such an important part of the process. We've spoken a lot today about the different entities that you partner with to manage the tip line. Has management required development of memoranda of understanding between your agency and any other entities at the local, state, or federal level? Uh, there hasn't been any kind of memorandums of understanding that have been required to be developed or signed uh, by any of the uh, entities that are involved with the tip line. Uh, there is a general uh, agreement and understanding between all the parties um, that the information that's being shared, you know, is to ensure the safety of the students, school and staff. Um, and that information, you know, is being shared for that purpose. Um, there's also uh, the Ohio Revised Code uh, has the requirement that the information is considered a security record and not subject to public record requests as well. Uh, so that requirement is laid out, you know, in the statute, uh, which further benefits uh, that conversation between the entities. Well, thank you so very much for all that you've shared today. We really enjoy our conversations with our state education agency partners and all of their community partners around efforts to help ensure safe and supportive learning environments for our nation's students. We really appreciate you joining this episode. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Tweet us using the REMS on the air hashtag if you are addressing similar topics. If you have any questions related to our discussion today or just want to learn more, send your questions via email to info at remstacenter.org or give us a call at 1-855-781-7367. You can also access additional REMS on the Air podcast episodes and share this one with your colleagues by visiting the REMS DA Center's podcast page and clicking the share tabs that appear along the left side of your screen.